Zone 3 Podcast. I am Robert. You know me. Yeah, and I am Reggie. You, know, you should know me. You might not know this guy. Nobody's ever heard of him before. <laughs> Bill Faulkner? Yeah. Have you heard of him? Uh, MRI check. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you're a known guy in the industry. I don't know, I don't know about that. It's okay to boast my, my a little bit. I'm, my mama thinks I'm pretty good. <laughs> you're special. Your mom yeah, thinks special. you're special. My you are special. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm already having to lecture you okay, about keeping fine. the mic close fine. to you. It's okay. okay. They do it to me all the time. That's all right. Bad. I can handle it. Uh, well, thank you, Bill, for joining us. And actually, today's episode on just what it's like, evolution of MRI, how it was 30 years ago compared to how it was now. If I could just throw this in real quick. I've had some uh, coworkers who have been doing it for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. I asked them to join us for this episode. And the reason why is I thought it'd be kind of fun for you guys to kind of just bounce. Like, remember this? Remember well, that? Yeah, I remember when this. As soon as I remember mentioned when who. Eat, when, when you could eat, actually eat your lunch during a scam. Right. Well, and I had a, I had a coworker who just recently retired. She'd been doing it for 30 years. Shout out to Kay. Hi, Kay. Um, she said that back in the day, they used to smoke in zone two. Right. Oh, Lord, yeah. Oh, you smoke and film finish. In fact, I, I used to do angiography, and then one of the radiologists, uh, Dr. Plache, Wade Plache, uh, if you listen, Wade, miss you, man. Anyway, uh, he would uh, he'd get out there, and he'd want to smoke, and so somebody would have to actually take the cigarette out of his mouth because he's standing there scrubbed. And, you know, he can't smoke and scrub, so somebody would have wow. to. Wow. Times have changed, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, we asked a couple coworkers if they would join us, you, for this episode. They were so intimidated Yo. by Bill Faulkner. <laughs> they said, I can't be up there with him. I'm like, oh, I said, who's going to be? They said, who's going to be with him? We're going to have uh, Faulkner flying in. They said, no. Yep. Apparently, you're a very intimidating guy within the industry. Man. <laughs> they said, have you seen that guy with a guitar? No. That's it, Bill. Arm <laughs> wrestle me right now. No, 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 no. No, I got, I got, I turned 65. I got flabby arms. <laughs> I have old man arms. But apparently, you use those arms to play a mean guitar. I have played guitar for like 50-something years. And actually, before, uh, before I got into MRI, uh, I'm actually better at MRI than I am at guitar. But I did do some studio work, oh. actually, in Chattanooga back years then i had to get a real job but back in my early x-ray days and stuff so here's my here's my claim to fame i didn't write i mean it's, it's not anything i was on you know on a record anyway just a bunch of demo work i used to do anyway i was up in stu the studio one evening just with some friends messing around and the guy that owned the studio was in the control room mixing an album. He had, they recorded this artist, and he was mixing this album or a particular track. And he gets on the intercom and he goes, "Hey, hey, hey, Bill, you know, call me Billy." I mean, Billy, come in here. And I said, "Okay." So I go in there. I go, "What's up, Scotty?" He goes, "Well, this is a new artist. It's a debut album. This is what I'm releasing as the single." Back when they used to release a single, right? right? So this is, you can tell how long ago it is because we're going to go back in history because this is even before what I'm about to talk about. But anyway, so he says, "I'm you know this is a debut album," and he says, "I don't know if I like the mandolin or not." And he said, "I don't want it to sound country because <laughs> uh, this guy was anything you made but a mandolin reference." But, but he said, "You know, Holy I don't crap. want it to." Sound, I don't want it to sound country. And he said, I, I just want your opinion on it. Because <laughs> right. you do country and gospel stuff is what I used to I literally do. just learned what a mandolin was by Uber driver six months ago. But keep really? going. Yeah. Mandolins tune the same thing as a violin. Or I know that now. So actually, actually Dave, so, our producer, helped to oh, explain that to me. Yeah. Right. So he plays if, guitar, too. If you play a fiddle, you can play a mandolin. Or, We're yeah, about well, to have a I actually tried a violin. I actually tried violin or fiddle one time. My family begged me to stop <laughs> so i did it was pretty bad anyway so um 
said, I don't know if I like the mandolin. So what they do when they mix an album is, you know, they have everything's on a different, you know, track, you know. Right, and so, right. so he played it through without the mandolin, and then he played it through with the mandolin. And I go, I don't know, Scotty, man, I like the mandolin. I said, it's, it, the, the song is, it, it's nostalgic, and whoever did the mandolin, very tastefully done. I mean, just, I really like the mandolin. I think it makes the song. Oh, wow. He goes, Rick, okay. All right, thanks. No problem. Well, about a couple of months later, um, in, in, hear it on the radio. So the song is, it was a is, guy was a one-hit wonder, uh-huh. Bertie Higgins, Key Largo. You know, we had it all like uh-huh. Bogey and Bacall. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's got this mandolin track. In it. So when it came on the radio, I was in the car with my wife, and I said, the, the, the mandolin. She goes, what about it? the mandolin. I, I, she said, you didn't do that. I said, no, 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 no. But I told Scotty I like the mandolin. So that's my claim to fame is I told the producer awesome. to put the mandolin in to um, Hey, anytime to, you can claim that you're up yeah. in the studio. That's, that's it. Yeah. Right. That's it. Hey, I think that's pretty cool. So you've got quite the background. Well, you know, yeah, like I said, then I had to actually get a real job so that's when i kind of you know i was doing x-ray but then got into mri and so what's interesting is and um you know t- talking to you guys about what i wanted to what i wanted to look at so i started an mri in 19 1985 oh sorry what sorry he wasn't born yet Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, Kristen. Kristen often reminds me that. Uh, let's see. She um, was born the year I uh, graduated high school. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So yeah, I turned. I've, uh, yeah. I thought she was just born 29 years ago. Oh no 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 no! I turned 65. I got the good insurance now. Uh, so uh, so anyway, so I started in 1985. Nice. And in 1985, we were, if I'm not mistaken, on a GE software version 1.8 or 1.6 or 1.8, something like that. I look, I saw something online today. It's like up to 25 something now, whatever the revision yeah, is. Right. right. But I was some. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so but you got to understand. So in, in 1985, on this version of software, you had uh, two, you had two pulse sequences. You could do a spin echo, or you could do a spin echo, but if you really wanted, we're probably gonna give you a spin echo. I mean, they actually, you did have two. The other one was called inversion recovery. Oh, I and it was imagine how long that's and, inversion recovery is the gold standard for like T1 weighted imaging if you look back in the literature. Oh. But in 1985, inversion recovery would only do one slice at a time. Oh, so we never used it. I did it right. once through the middle of the head, and looked really pretty, but you know, Seriously. five minutes for one slice. Yeah, yeah. No, so you didn't do it. Uh, but anyway, so that's all we had. <laughs> And so a routine brain was a sagittal T1 spin echo that took about five or six minutes. Uh, and you can't scan and recon at the same time. So you'd scan and then oh. then the image would recon and you sat there and waited while it did. Then you would do the next one. So so to do the two echo brains, so we used to do a pro, pseudo proton density T2, but the TR was 2000 milliseconds. Right. The, you you could only get a 40 if you did two echoes you did they had to be even echoes so it was like 40 80 so we did a 40 for p 
PD, I guess, and then 80 was the so-called T2. We only had two choices for matrix. You could either do 256 by 128 phase or 256 by 256. So for brain, you did 256 by 256. You could use no less than two signal averages. You couldn't do one average. So next, uh, or excitational right, right, right. GE. So two averages. If you multiply that up, it was 17 minutes and change oh for a dual echo sequence through the brain. And no patients didn't move because we told them not to move and we put a piece of two-inch tape across the forehead. <laughs> that helps. Well, it's God's gift to MRTEX. It's two-inch tape. I'm a big fan of sandbags. Well, I'm telling you, see, a lot of people, though, I'll hear this, people say, well, you can't tape somebody that's restraint. No, it's not. It's immobilization. That's there's, a, there's a difference between, immo- look it up, there's a difference between immobilization and restraint. Immobilization is a temporary uh, uh, technique to to perform a procedure right. and it's it's not restraining so these people say well you we can't tie them down we can't put this no yes you can yes, it's you called can. immobilization yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's not restraint is a problem when like say on the floor uh, you know if they tie somebody to a bed to keep them from hitting the button you know to bothering them that's uh, that's that's not cool that's, yeah that's restraint Okay, and restraint is not to be used for convenience, but for patient safety. But immobilization can definitely be used. So I think people, you know, they talk about people moving and stuff. Well, crap! Like say, sandbags, pad them, cushion, put some tape on them. You know, right? This will help you hold still. Now, when a patient shows up with true restraints, that's counterproductive. Yes, it is. It's concerning. It's time for me to go take a lunch break. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Except I, I actually just walked in this morning. Uh, to a couple techs who had been called in overnight on a patient they'd been working on since 1.30 a.m. Oh, and mm. this patient was just in restraints and I was like, ah, if you have to restrain your patient, they're probably not an optimal candidate for MRI. Yeah, we used to say that's not an MRI patient. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. called CT. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> sort of yeah. the same opinion. It's called like, CT. Come on, CT, get it together. So yeah. just talking about like MRI back in the day, back in the 80s for sure, I do hear from my coworkers who've been doing it for 30 plus years that like back in the day, you would have to like manually shim the field with like two rods. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. So what we did, <laughs> what we did on the the GE is very GE specific. But what you did, uh, you did it once for a brain, and you wrote the number down. But then every spine or something, you had to do. It. So, so to set center frequency, you actually had to do that manually. Yeah. Wow. So you entered a program, pre-scan program, that showed you the the peaks, and you would center on water. So somebody was in the computer room, literally dials. I mean, I mean, literally what, six three point eight. You know, however many dials for megahertz. So wow. you've got all those dials and you'd go up 10 and they somebody's standing at the door because the air condition is blowing you couldn't hear they go up 10 and this is somebody in there would move it up 10 and it would shift the little peak and you go down five down five five." and so you had to set it for every patient talk about manually right so you manually set the frequency then you also had to manually set the rf power to get a 90 degree flip oh my god so this is manual so you had to then go through and you type in you watch the numbers you watch the little peak and so you would increase rf power and then all of a sudden it would get maximum then it would drop because if you think about it when you go past 90 you lose signal right Right. so you go up to 90 gain 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 hit 90 and then you go past Mm. it starts dropping so then you go back to where you were, wow. 
and then now you set your uh, receiver game. So this all had to be done manually. Yeah. Every patient. Quite the contrast to uh, con- current day scanning when you're with AI and everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know. So, you know, so you understand that. So back then at 85, 86, something like that, um, you know, it was like for one scan was 17 something minutes. Right. So for a routine brain, you got three series. And you know, for some reason, we seem to, we, for some reason, we seem to be able to make a diagnosis with just three sequences. That works, right? Wow. <laughs> right. How about what that. What would those three sequences be? Well, we uh, did a sagittal T1, uh-huh. the axial double echo, mm-hmm. and then probably Fusion. did a coronal. But diffusion didn't really come out until the 90s. No, diffusion, actually the interesting thing about diffusion, diffusion became doable when we were able to do echoplanar imaging, which is something I, you know, we'll we'll get to that, but I mean, but that was, when diffusion first started, they were doing spin echo. And I remember talking to a friend of mine at, I think he was at UCLA, and he was, you know, worked in research, and he said, it's great for strokes, it's just unfortunately... People don't hold still for it, man, because it was spin echo based. Because you don't have to do EPI to do diffusion. All right, but uh, but the reason we do it is because it minimizes bolt patient motion. Mm. How rapid you know. it is! I yeah, wondered, is there a uh, like, was there a boards or like, how did you get certified to be an MRI tech back then? Like that, you didn't. You just they just taught you how to turn the the, the knobs and like, all right, you're good. Get out there, be somebody. Right, that's what we did. I mean, we that's how we learned. I, you know, I went to I went to a course uh, in uh, the radiologist group I worked for sent me to a course in in California, um, and uh, that was on the diasonics. On the diasonics, you had these two poles that looked like fishing poles that you stuck into the back of the head coil and you actually tuned the coil you, oh, you twist wow. the poles to tune the coil so i did that and then in 86 roughly 85 86 then they sent me to, of course ge we had a ge scanner uh it was number 76 by the way <laughs> Dang. And wow. so, yeah and so uh i went to milwaukee to you know to learn how to you know scan on the scanner but you, you know you really got to understand so, so I went to this one week course in California taught by Tex and I come back and I'm going I really still don't know what the crap I'm doing right. I mean I don't understand it right. N- none of this stuff makes any sense to me <laughs> and I don't understand it it's wow. way cool right? but I don't understand it right? right and then one of the things I think that Tex need to understand today if you're new and you're getting feel frustrated understand that back when I like I said when I started in 85 like I said literally we only had spin echo. That was it. Right. 256 by 128 or 256 by 256. Right. Three millimeter, five millimeter, 10 millimeter slide. Th- th- these were not, th- these were just, that's all you could do. Right. Yeah. And so I'm fortunate to have learned MRI from that point. And then when the new stuff comes along, then you kind of learn that. See, today it's like learning to swim by getting dumped into the deep end of a pool. Yeah. And, and most sites do not do a good job of training their technologists. They do not feel that that you should be able, you know, here's a book, read this book, you know? Right. Well, crap, let's see if you can do it, smart man. Let's see how, you know. Right. It's, it's not the same physics as x-ray. Right. But, you know, I mean, I think that's, you know, it's a sad thing. I think, obviously, we're big into safety as well, but still, I think, for doing 
understanding how MRI works and how to actually optimize protocols, you have to have an understanding of what it's doing. Right. And very few people really do, and it's it's you know that's kind of the, the problem. I remember right. I remember a long time ago when I started doing MR classes in Chattanooga. I said to the radiologist, I said I want to do these classes before everybody learns how to do it, and then there's no longer a need for it. <laughs> You're a smart man. <laughs> well, well it know? just never happened. It never happened. Right? It never happened. Right. I feel like things are getting worse. Right. The more things are getting thrown at us. You know. Right. I'm curious so, about your own background. Did you start in X-ray? Oh yeah. Did you? Yeah, I graduated high school in 73. Uh, went immediately to x-ray training because I had no idea what the crap I wanted to do. It sounded good. The guy oh, lied wow. about how much money I was going to make. But, <laughs> right, they always do. Yeah, well. <laughs> anyway, and so then I went to the x-ray and I did angio a lot. And oh, then, nice. then all of a sudden I just wound up a little CT and then next thing you know, the MR came along. and You're in the back of the magnet turning these knobs. Yeah, and it's like, you know, radiologists. <laughs> well, actually the radiologists they were building an imaging center and they go bill you know we're building an imaging center i said yeah i, I heard that dr jim crawley and i said uh i'd like to run it for you he goes you would i go yeah so that was my job interview oh nice that was it <laughs> man makes it easy yeah ballsy right yeah there. well you know then I, I didn't know what i was getting into but you know you know the, but the point is it's like you know we would back in these days our brain sequence was three maybe four sequences right. maybe this is pre pre gadolinium wow okay right because you know and and they were still on the table for 50 minutes this yeah. is in a 55 centimeter bore magnet wow that was six feet long wow okay i mean yeah, so you're right because you couldn't even see the the back of those magnets. No, I mean, there's right? long magnets. The reality is, the got, longer the magnet and the smaller the bore, the better the homogeneity. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's pretty important. Right, yeah, so, so, so such a short bore, short bore. <laughs> what happens is you get the shorter bores, you get the bigger bores, higher RF power, and uh, inhomogeneity is tricky. Right. Right, because yeah. the, the, the this is why if you look at the 70s, they're big, long Small, Small board magnets, right? Because yeah. you know, that's, I'm excited to work on one of those soon. Yeah. So we're ta- we're cool. kind of talking mid '80s now. So, at what point would you say the introduction of gradient echoes came into play? Well, actually, um, what's interesting is the the first big change from what we were doing was then allowed for one excitation, right? That uh, was a big thing. Right. So now the scans were 10 to 12 minutes, and we used to call those a fast scan, right? Man, so the 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 reality is, you know, you well, you still had, you still were doing those two echo brains, but then the next thing that came along was where we could do asymmetric echoes. So you could do like 2080 instead of having to do even echoes. And then they also had something at that time called variable bandwidth. So my receiver bandwidth could be lower on the second echo to, to boost the S and R. And we're still at, you know, 10 to 12 minutes. So in the late 80s is when gradient echoes came in came into play and they were actually referred to as fast scanning techniques or fast scanning technique the big benefit of gradient echo originally was that you could get bright fluid with short tr times uh, okay, that that uh, was the thing because practical application that'd be like for strokes and stuff right or well uh, or just bright fluid you know right. anything with bright fluid if you think about it with standard spin echo anything with bright fluid is going to take a tr time of 2000 or higher right well we 
didn't go above 2,000 because it was already 17 and a half minutes, right? Man. So, or, eight, you know, we never went above 2,000. We never went above 2,000 TR. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, for a T2. Oh, my or gosh. A, no, no, no. I mean, if you think about it, 2,000 is not, is not what you want for a T2-weighted image. Right. You would want a low. TR that's at least close to the T1 time of fluid, right. which is four or five seconds, actually. Right. So... <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was the big thing. So the the original gradient echoes were coherent gradient, so-called coherent gradient echoes. Mm-hmm. GE called it GRASS, which stood for Gradient Recall Acquisition in a Steady State. If wow. I and then of course when they Acronyms. got T1, it was called Spoiled Grass. But that's what happens when you leave the weed out in the rain overnight, right? <laughs> Reggie, <laughs> comment. So I'm just, anyway, so that's politically incorrect. So now they call it okay. SPG. You know, You're so in Arizona, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, right? I, you know. <laughs> So, so anyway, so but originally though it was just coherent, so it was all for bright fluid for either PD or T2 star weighted sequences. And very early on, people did find out that if you had uh, hemorrhagic lesions in the brain, that gradient echoes were much better than spin echoes for looking for hemorrhagic lesions. Wow, in in the brain. Right. So, so the main benefit was just the bright fluid and stuff, and and. We used it for cervicals, axial cervicals, or really, still today, people like gradient echoes. They're actually really good for axial cervicals because they tend to... These are to, neuro protocol tech at the facility well, that we work at. Yeah. Right, because gradient echoes um, are better for uh, disc and, uh, not disc disease, but... but um, osteophytes because they tend to be a little overestimated which is better because fast spin echo underestimates osteophytes and there's nothing wow. worse to a neurosurgeon opening Perfect. it up and then finding out where well, they got more osteophytes than I thought they had mm-hmm. so I you know axial fast spin echoes for cervical spines I I don't like them I don't like them at, yeah. at all and I'm a visual person. I can picture it, but for those watching at home, would you just pull out an osteophyte of the C-spine MRI so they can see what it is? Typically, like an osteophyte would just be like an outcropping of the bone. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of a bone. Bony kind of type. a bone spur sort of a thing. But. Right, but see, and so with, with, but because of that, you get some susceptibility effects with it, MRI. right? Bone oh. and surrounding tissues, a right. magnetic field gradient effect there. Mm-hmm. And, and fast spin echo uh, corrects for the in in homogeneities, and oh, so right. it underestimates the osteophytes. Oh, man, sorry. Um, I'm just, I'm just. I, uh, I knew that things were a lot harder back then, but I'm just amazed at how much harder it was. Well, not even harder, but just how different, you know. Well, it's not different. I'm just, it's harder. It's just that's all we did. I mean, man, you, you got axials. Those are sagittal. You know, three series in the lumbar spine. But you know, what if you, you didn't t- get the frequency right when you're like? tuning it and just like well yeah what we did was we actually wrote it down for a brain because it's if you think about it it's probably not going to change that much too far off head to head right but for anything outside the head you had to do it every time you had to set the frequency every time man yeah, I'm trying to find people don't even like using power injectors today because it's too much pressure so i can only imagine having to do like you know 
All this manual. Yeah, but you know, power injector and MR. Come on, we're contrast I wimps know, right? in MR. We okay. Really are. Right. We, we, right? Think, <laughs> we, we think two cc's a second. <laughs> 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 oh, 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 wow. Right. And we're only giving 20 mLs, right? Better make sure it's a 20 20 mLs at two cc's a second. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. You know, know right? CT people laugh at that, right? Because right? they're 100 mLs at four mLs a second, man, right? They do that. Two cc's a second is not that. If you, if, if somebody tell me this one time, if you take, uh, Put put water say like we put water in an injector mm-hmm. and put it over the sink or whatever and just do it at two cc's a second. You can hand inject much faster than two mLs. If somebody oh. were to just 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 push it. Well, I mean, just which was right. a norm back in the day, I would imagine. Right, but I'm telling you, two two mLs a second is I'm basically curious. not it's much at all. No pressure. So like well, it's really you, not much. You know, if it looks you like were, you got. It looks like the injector's got a prostate issue. If you, if you, <laughs> <laughs> did you have like fluoro triggering for like oh lord no 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 so how we would had, you do your timing we it's called swag <laughs> reggie you know anything about that i know all about swag <laughs> scientific perfect scientific wild scientific wild ass guess is what we did <laughs> oh nice that's, that's kind of like all around nice guy yeah Love right you, you yeah, like, yeah. Uh, rotc doc, doc, not doctor uh sergeant george morris taught me that one the Swag, Swag technique, um, but anyway, that's what we did. We just because um, you know back then you uh, when we started doing contrast angio, they didn't have centric case space filling, so it was regular oh, linear. Right. So the first one third of your scan time is a waste that's of time. Small, yeah. So you have to go. Okay, my scan time is this. I forget how the formula we used to do and so we would just guess it's roughly 18 seconds typically for a renal and you just but the other thing we did was we gave 40 mls contrast when you gave that much contrast you got a bigger window it's golf on wide fairways greater margin of error yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, yeah. absolutely so you know so so originally though the 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 gradient and that's really kind of the thing eventually gradient echoes got to where we could do t1 weighting with it uh we got something called ssfp uh for for bright fluid stuff we actually didn't understand the contrast at all for ssfp at the time it was just you know right but what really what really kind of made started making the difference and we did a lot of uh clinical evaluations for ge at the time ge had this thing this is back for those of you that have been around ge for a while the plasma screens back in the days of the old Uh, plasma screen you know interface uh so they had this thing called independent console which the radiologist had in the viewing room and so we would do 3d imaging in the brain spoiled gradient echo for t1 and the the rad would sit there and read it just like they do today with ct read it in 3d we were doing this back in the 90s wow this is back when they were actually hanging films and stuff like that. oh yeah absolutely in fact to get the to get the data from our console to the independent console we actually had to put it on a thumb drive t- a, no a tape no thumb drive. we didn't have thumb drive back then <laughs> we're, we're, okay you're too freaking young okay no no this is like a real to real tape like a tape wow. i had to actually do a tape and Will then take it what a cd is it, we, called it, we called it sneaker net you would actually take it and walk it over and put it on a tape oh. drive and then load it onto the console Man, for the so radio there was stream. no like real-time tailored exams for patients it's like you call up the rat and say, "Hey, this is you look at." Actually, actually we, we would tailor the exam because you you literally it took so long. So, like, what's in 
important. Your patient's oh. only going to lay there for 45, 50 minutes. Right. Right. So you can't be, you know. Right. But again, the scans were anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes. Okay. So in five minutes was a T1. So then we with gradient echoes, that helped a little bit like in knees and and you know stuff like that but um no yeah the rad looked at everything that morning and said this is you know kind of what i want but again we didn't have a lot of stuff to choose from so it was kind of like get me you know sagittal this axial that give me this you know because what you wanted to do was you wanted to get your first three series you know because then if the patient Oh, you know, yeah, taps out. Taps so, yeah, out. And, I guess and, that's what I'm curious about. So, like, back in the day when there was 5 to 15-minute scan times, did that kind of reduce your eligibility for, like, the list of patients who are, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. If they, couldn't, if they couldn't lay still or couldn't lay... You no, know, you just didn't do it. If you're repeating a 15-minute scan, you, you're probably just saying, hey, look, if you can't do 15 minutes, we're not going to do... Right. Well, actually, you didn't do them. Yeah, no. I mean, right. they had to be walking wounded you know that's what rad used to call them because they, they had to lay still and you had to kind of optimize your yeah i mean you had to be able to lay mobilization yeah. skills back in the day and i feel like ct and mr kind of came out kind of close to each other right so what's well i mean so here's the big here's the big difference yeah so you know we're still at eight to ten minutes right ever so what's gonna you know gradient echo came out but that's great it doesn't work for everything right. you know i mean it, it, back then you know um you know still we're in that eight to ten minute thing the biggest advance the biggest advancement in mri was fast spin echo man Okay, fast spin echo is to MRI what helical is to CT. So oh. if you want to, if you want to contrast the two, yeah, so yeah. CT from an abdomen pelvis went from a twenty-minute scan to okay. twenty seconds overnight with helical. Right? Oh, wow. Okay, MRI went from a twelve-minute sagittal lumbar spine to a five-minute overnight wow with one upgrade overnight uh, overnight crazy. The upgrade goes on and now, interestingly enough it's though like the apple of its time right well interestingly <laughs> enough we you know i remember when they put it on i absolutely remember when they put it on the scanner because I, I sat down and i had the uh, service engineer supervisor mike uh, lay on the scanner because let me do something Mike you, okay, yeah I'll lay on there I want to do a sagittal lumbar spine back at the, when it came out you couldn't do any more than a 16 echo train length that was that was the max oh, okay. so guess what I picked first time I want to do it 16 let's see what this bad boy will do right. Right? let's see how this dog hunts right. <laughs> 16 16 echo train right? right and so the thing goes instead of going Right. Instead of making sounds like that, it's going, nah, nah, nah. and I thought, holy crap. And the, the service supervisor's going, what, you know, because it never heard anything like this at all. And then the scan comes up in, you know, three, four minutes, and it's like, holy crap. Now it was a little blurry. So oh, part okay. of the problem, part of the problem back then, or the issue is, well, actually, this is kind of an interesting note. Do you know the first sequence ever described for acquiring images with this thing called NMR, nuclear magnetic resonance? Mm-mm. Can we guess? Hmm? Okay. What would you think? The first sequence ever described. It had to be like some kind of single voxel. 
some kind of spec. I don't yeah. know. EPI? Echoplanar imaging. Yeah, how'd I know that? Sorry, I told you. It was, it was actually Dr. Mansfield, but uh, EPI was actually on paper capable oh. of creating images. The problem was the gradients. You know, you, you, oh. you clock their gradient switching with a calendar, right? You right. know, they, the gradients did not switch very fast back then. So part of the problem with, uh, and actually, Fastspin Echo, the generic name is rare, rapid acquisition relaxation enhancement or something. That's exactly. Uh, I got it, up it, right was, now. Um, it, it was described back in the 80s. It just wouldn't work because it, it works on paper it just won't uh, work because that <clears throat> so this uh actually I, I met the radiologist a few years ago he's passed away dr frank yellowless yellowless i'm probably mispronouncing his name who basically pulled it out and goes hey this maybe works today and then they pulled that out and dang if it didn't work and so now what's interesting i mean if you think about it Today, so when Fastspin Echo first came out, because it had blurring issues, because the gradient switching wasn't as fast as it is today, right. and that blurring was an issue, people would still want to do knees with conventional Spin Echo because Fastspin Echo was a little blurry when it came to meniscal tears. Uh, Not true today, right? In right. fact, when you say Spin Echo today, you actually mean Fastspin Echo. We no longer differentiate. We used to differentiate conventional or fast. Oh, right, right, right. But today, if you say spin echo, it's fast spin echo. You don't do really? regular spin echo. Spin echo anymore. Huh? Anymore. Right? It's all fast spin echo. Yeah, now. that's pretty interesting. That is. That's crazy. I'm, that the info. That, I'm, I'm finding that it's about 86 is when it came out. Well, that's when it was in in theory or in research but yeah. in actual clinical was early not was in the 90s and by the way that's when we started burning people ah oh, terrible spin echo speak for yourself uh, bill <laughs> I'm saying. Uh, uh should i had this up man so like realistically though we went to four to six minutes overnight wow. so now we can do more series which of course is what happens and you know throughput today is really not a, an issue with how long your scan times are right. it's how many stupid useless series you do right right because <laughs> the faster these scans get the more series they, they add simplify it. the more we just end up doing well because what you want to do is well maybe the more I do then you know maybe I don't, don't miss anything right right but you know I mean but in reality like I said fast spin echo is the way we do scanning today it's not even Close. it's not even a controversy anymore we just spin echo is now fast spin echo Man. so what would you say at what point and how did the transition um get to like 3d image acquisition well you know like i said we we were able to do we were doing 3d back in the early 90s uh when the spoiled gradient echoes started being utilized so you know if you do a, a regular gradient echo if you have a really short tr mm -hmm. then you're going to have residual transverse magnetization pulse to pulse it's called a steady state um and so what spoiled gradient echo does is you eliminate that buildup pulse to pulse transverse which is typically bright fluid so if you get rid of that then you can actually now do t1 weighted imaging which if you think about it that's how we do body imaging today t1 right. it's all breath held gradient echoes right yeah. Yeah. so 
so when the spoil grading echoes started, you know, when we started evaluating that, that's what we did. We would do a, a 3D sequence in the brain post-contrast, and the radiologist would just look at it in every plane he wanted. Now, our problem was, and this is, this is where I know we, we went wrong because we didn't think about it, Today, a lot of people will do a T1 gradient echo post-gadolinium, right, to look at do it in multiple planes. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, if you once you give gadolinium, you need about five minutes for the gad to circulate and percolate, right? Right for Which blood is brain one barrier. of the reasons why they tell you to run the stealth is the second sequence, correct? Post con, right? I so, see a lot of techs run it first because it takes a while for it to reformat. Right. No, I would. I would you definitely do not want to do it. First. I've got a couple names right. in mind. Right. <laughs> now, what you what you, you want to know do. who I'm talking about? Yeah. What what you want to do is uh, there's two options you you can move the t2 to immediately post gad oh yeah okay because that, you, right? you won't see gadolinium enhancement on it. it doesn't doesn't affect that at all right so that buys you five minutes or so right. doing that then do the 3d t1 yeah <clears throat> or what's even better dr howard raleigh who we do a lot of podcasts oh, with yeah, and stuff yeah. yeah howard's a great guy but in, in wisconsin guy right yeah we want to get University of wisconsin madison uh but he's a big proponent of doing t2 flare post gad oh. because anytime you have an inversion pulse you have t1 contrast right right so when people talk about a stir or a, or a flare being t2 weighted it still has t1 information in it because it's got a it's got an inversion pulse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? So if you think about it, if you give gadolinium and you have a gadolinium enhancing lesion, it shows up bright on a T2 flare because of the T1 shortening effects of gadolinium. Okay. So the real advantage of that is if you're looking at uh, met, uh, uh, meningeal enhancement, uh -oh. leptomeningeal metastasis, oh, yeah, yeah. or meningitis, so you do like a coronal T2 flare post-GAD, the CSF is all suppressed, but enhancement along the meninges is is bright. Oh, nice. So it's, it's, it's actually a very effective scan to run instead of like run it pre run it post and you don't do both you don't do pre and post right you do it do it post right. but so yeah the the t2 flare post gad is actually kind of a really really good thing to do especially if it's meningitis type stuff Man. interesting yeah and i guess with the implementation of 3d imaging then comes NPRs and the ability right. to reformat. Right. So if you would just kind of explain what that is, like an NPR. Yeah. Okay. Software so do yeah. So right? to so to do a uh, you know effectively good 3D reformatted image, the voxel needs to be isotropic, meaning equal in all dimensions. Right. So the easiest way to do this is pick a two uh, pick a 25 centimeter field of view or 250 millimeter field of view, 256 That's squared cool. matrix, and a one millimeter slice thickness ah, boom boom your isotropic one one, yeah. right for the for the brain um and and i think that is an absolutely great way to image now you can also do t2 flare Mm -hmm. And T2, if you bought the software, right, right, for, you know, 3D, T2 
teeth if you think about it when when you do a patient for ms oftentimes you want thin slice sagittals well why not do it as a 3d here's the thing if you're having to do in my opinion if you're doing two sequences that are the exact same contrast but different planes why don't you do a 3d oh man well i'm curious based on that exactly what's your opinions on like uh I guess the magic sequence. Oh, where you do synthetic MRI. There's actually, um, okay, so what, um, there's actually a company called, uh, there's a third party company that will do it as well. But uh, so the GE magic sequence or the synthetic images, at least the way GE does it or what I've been explained by people you know, GE is it's an inversion sequence that uses different IR times and uses different TE times. Mm -hmm. And so then it's got that data and then you can just move the cursor around and change the contrast on it. So, So and I've never personally experienced yeah, but I've heard techs who have, and they don't really have positive things to say. Well, it's different. Okay, see, so here's the thing. It's yeah. different. How many MR techs does it take to change a light bulb? Well, no. Change. He's a field change. engineer. Goes, right, right. We don't change. That's right. Change? What do you mean change? Right. right. So, uh, but see, I, I go back to the 3D thing. Like I said, we were doing 3D back in the 90s, and people were going like, this is this is unreal no no it's yeah. not real it's, it's not, not real of course it's real in fact actually how much of mr actually is real i yeah, mean you know real. when you think about it there's all kinds of artifacts and that's part of the problem and actually that was kind of a thing actually leads me to this next point fourier transform which is the way we've been doing mr since yeah early days is extremely limiting it doesn't handle edges well. In order to get good edge detail, you have to have high frequency data, right. which means you typically have to have longer scan times. Yeah. Okay, and and the problem with Fourier transform is that it is noise. And so, if I could go to a, if I could go to a slide, is that one the one that I wanted to wanted to show here? The, the, I did not bless you. I didn't. I did not come up with this, so uh, I can't lay claim to it the first person i ever saw do this was a radiologist by the name of dr bent b-e-n-t kios k-j-o-s he was up in seattle area i think he's he's still around i think he's retired now but he he did this talk and he would draw this little diagram and basically signal to noise ratio is your money in the bank if, if, you, if you if you think about the way you scan, mm-hmm. if I want to improve SNR, in other words, if I'm SNR starved, I'm either going to have to give up spatial resolution, meaning go bigger voxels, or I'm going to have to scan longer. Right. And a lot longer, actually, because in, if, if I double the scan time, I only increase, increase SNR square root of two, which is 40%. So I have to actually increase scan time four times in order to double the SNR. It's yeah. like a bad slot machine. It costs you money and doesn't, <laughs> right. it doesn't pay out, right? Yeah. So anyway, so if I want to, but if I want to reduce the scan time, see, here's our problem. If I want to reduce the scan time, mm-hmm. I'm either going to have to give up SNR or I'm going to have to give up spatial resolution. I have no choice if I'm doing Fourier transform. Now, scan time 
increasing scan time is i'm not talking about that for throughput i'm talking about needing to increase scan time for physiologic reasons i want to i want to image you know breath holds i want to oh, right. do dynamic imaging like with breast and Cardio you know any, yeah right that i want to i want to image fast and the reality is dr bill bradley uh the late dr bill bradley who i was fortunate enough to actually know nice. and actually work player. with yeah actually actually got to know nice. uh, i heard him do a talk one time and he said all advanced techniques are signal to noise starved because see here's the thing we don't want to give up spatial resolution because quite honestly in mri our spatial resolution ain't all that hot right right we think 256 by 256 big freaking deal right Right. but it's not all that hot so our spatial resolution isn't that great it's not as good as ct by any means right right so we don't give up spatial resolution. What we want to get, what we would give up, is signal to noise. Why? Because I can go to higher fields, better coils. Dang. I have I have ways to make up SNR. I cannot make up spatial resolution. Right. Because even zero May- filling is maybe, not even. Maybe yeah. I can. Okay. This is with Fourier transform. Fourier okay. transform limits me. Because I've got to fall into, you know, I've got to conform to this. And if I reduce my scan time using Fourier transform, I'm either going to give up high frequency data, right. which is going to lose me spatial resolution, or I'm going to just basically have a lot of noise. Because the less time I spend sampling the signal, the higher the noise. In MR, in, in CT, noise is based on radiation dose. In MR, it's based on time, time spent sampling yeah so 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 our problem is we have this issue with uh conforming to fourier transform Mm -hmm. which is why now you're seeing stuff like um so-called compressed sensing right and and different vendors have different names for their compressed sensing programs uh trying to think what various acronyms are for it. Um, I can't think of it. But anyway, what it's doing is actually acquiring less data and does it in a random fashion and then uses an iterative algorithm to figure out what's noise and what's not. And so... It's, it, it's, it's been out there for a couple of years, but that's actually, I think, being replaced with uh, artificial intelligence. Uh-huh. I think I think AI, the AI reconstructions, just going, that, it's huh? going gonna, gonna to trump that, and basically it just kind of was a short-lived, very cool, but... Right. My buddy AI over here. Well, see, the, the thing about the compressed sensing is it works really well if you have high-contrast data. So so what people did that a lot with is cardiac, MRA, anything that's bright, black, white, because the algorithm is really easy. It's it's it works better when when you got high contrast. Right. Doesn't work as so good with low contrast right. stuff. But the AI stuff, which is using deep learning algorithms to train with images and be able to tell on on um, raw data what's noise and what's signal oh, man. that's cool and that's that's, that's where we're going now where you're seeing stuff easily in the one minute range easy wow. 
Easy, Damn. easy, easy. You know, we're not talking about auto aligning when you talk AI. You're talking about no, well, no. Recon. Auto aligning is a is an example of artificial intelligence, right? Um, <clears throat> where it can be trained. You know what angle you want to you know based on the anatomy because that's 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 one that's one example of ai right but this is a reconstruction algorithm that looks at the raw data man and says okay that's noise so that goes away or that's an edge and that's you know so it can it can actually they with ai today um let's see what uh site was doing this i want it's stanford stanford's doing some work with an algorithm that monitors the scan and can sense when the patient's moving Ah. and can alert you that you've got motion going on during the scan and then there's also being able to correct for that motion dang well but if you think about propellers kind of the same yeah propeller is kind of the same thing because blade blade, propeller because it can it can sense because the way it fills case space it can tell when movement happens and then so we're not talking something that's 10 years down the road we're talking about something that's being implemented as we speak now so this stuff is going on now right now right now uh we're seeing uh i i think the ai stuff is going to be as significant as fast spin echo so i think that i think this is the next one that much of a game changer yeah i think so wow i think i think it's gonna have like quite the repercussions personally well see here's the and so here's the thing it's always a trade-off and i got yeah so i got to put the trade-off out there the, the faster you go, the quicker you're getting patients in and out, and the sloppier you get with safety. I mean, I'm, yeah. we're recording this during MR Safety Week of right. 2021, right? Yeah. 20th anniversary of Michael Colombini's death this right. week. This week, okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a he had an astrocytoma. He could he could he had a successful surgery. He, right. He was scheduled to walk out of the hospital in a few days. Ah, oh, that's tough. And then yet, you know. Yeah, somebody brings an oxygen tank in the scan room. Right. The, the thing we need to understand is just because this stuff is getting automated, just because it's getting you know faster, we we cannot um, drop our guard in terms of safety for the patient. Right. And unfortunately, that's what we think that's what gets left behind right. is people start looking at oh crap i can do three patients every hour right. yes you can you can haul gravel in a corvette too uh, but you don't necessarily want to do it example. okay right so that's just true. because you can do something doesn't mean it's you know and, and that's i'm fine with three patients in an hour as long as i got enough people Support. to maintain a safe environment Amen and that. that's where i think people are falling down on I, yeah that's that's the real danger i see of the speed you know, speed improvements. I think as MR techs, we really resent the term button pusher, but with the with well, the implementation of AI, here's like it's art. Okay, okay, but let, so, so let me go. That's fine. Okay, it that's, it's all well and good. Okay, I get it. And yes, I can I can easily now, you know, I mean, three clicks, scan a brain, sit there and watch it. Okay, that's fine. The fun out of it. But but here's the thing. But but here's the thing. You know, I can get on an airplane, and I, that airplane can take off, fly, and land Dang. on its own, right? I mean, right. it can it can totally have very little pilot interaction. In fact, I'm told, I mean, Manny Canal told me this because he's a pilot, but the pilots are required to do so many computer landings and, you know, just so they 
you know stay up on it but see the thing of it is if the computer's landing then the pilot can uh look at other stuff and it some be honest they've got a bunk and they're sleeping right some some years ago i was doing a talk in las vegas Mm -hmm. and uh i've had connected in salt lake city and we we left it off in salt lake city I've gotten an upgrade. I'm from there, by the way. Sitting up front. Right. So I'm lifting off, and we're flying over to Las Vegas, and the pilot comes on and says, "Uh, we may have lost a a tire, wheel, I forgot what he said, on takeoff. And he says, we're going to put the gear down and do a flyby the tower and let them look at it, and then, you know, we'll be back to you. Okay. Oh my. Okay. God. So anyway, so so they they fly into so they're coming into Vegas, and if you fly into Vegas, like you fly, typically you land to the west, and so you come in and Vegas. The strips off to your right. You know, see Vegas off to your right. So they come in, they fly by the tower. The guy pulls up, and then turns right. Never says a thing. Didn't say anything. So I told the guy sitting. I told the guy sitting next to me. I go. We lost it's us. Yeah, we lost something, right? So he he flies around and now he's now he's coming in. Okay, so in Vegas they get so the main runway, which if you fly into Vegas, you're gonna typically land to the west. But there's another runway that's parallel to the strip. Right. Okay, well he's flying, he's gonna land on that one. Well, he's landing on that one because we lost a freaking wheel and they ain't gonna tie up the main right. in case we got a problem, right? So anyway, so he says we you know, we did lose a, a wheel and we're gonna be landing, you know, here in a minute, stay on the you know and so all these you know, fire trucks and everything's following the thing when it lands. Very smooth landing. And I said to I was telling Manny Canal this story because he was at this meeting I was at and he says it was likely computer. When it's when it's a bad weather, when it's bad situation, it's likely a computer landing. Because oh. a pilot can keep their eye on other things. I mean, my point of all of that is this. Yes, a plane can take off fly and land itself but you don't want the flight attendant at the console you expect you expect captain sully that is at the freaking console right (laughs) Right. think about anytime you go on an airplane you expect your captain to fly just as good as sully (laughs) right sullenberger was right right okay that's what you expect so when a patient comes for an mri what do you think they expect they expect that the tech bill faulkner they i'm not bill i'm not that good of a tech i mean just i'm 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 better at MR than 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 guitar, but I'm just saying, (laughs) no, they expect every tech to be performing to the same radiologist. They expect every, that's the way it works in our system. Right. Everybody's expected to perform to the standard, right? Right. Okay, so, yeah, your system can basically scan on its own, but why don't you want, so if you're going to have a scan, so if that administrator, if their mother is going to have a scan, what do they want? They want somebody that they just pulled off the floor and said here sit down and push that button or do you want you yeah. want your most experienced tech what do you think they're going to say they want there are exactly. certain people when we have vips come through they get those certain techs to scan those certain people right? and that's okay so why it's is that right okay <laughs> it irritates me to know always irritated me which is why i'm psychologically unemployable now i'm I, i'm sure i yeah i i couldn't work at the site because i would I wouldn't last five minutes before I said something. You know, because of that, I'm actually super curious because you're extremely knowledgeable with like, you know, so you think current advancements. No, we're not Mm -hmm. talking about yesterday. We're talking about today and tomorrow. Right. And you're on top of it. 
Um, how would you stay so engaged in the industry? Okay, so what I would recommend for any any tech out there, I would recommend you join the SMRT. All right. Because it, it's they've got great educational materials. Great. I do so like that's, that. So that's number one is that. I would also uh, attend as many meetings as I possibly could. Right. And, and when I have somebody that tells me, so I'll get these emails sometimes that go, I'm looking for an advanced MRI course. I understand the basics. I'm going, do you really? Right. Do you really understand the basics? I mean, I've been scanning since 85. I don't understand the basics. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. Just keep peeling that onion, right? Well, no, I just know it. It's peeling the onion, right? Yeah. Like I said, the more you peel it, the better, it, you know, but right. the more it makes more. you cry. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I... Uh, you know, education, education, education. Um, There's plenty of stuff out there. Most stuff that's free is not always good. This is an exception. But I mean, you know, I mean, there's... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's, it's, you know, thanks to ages, right? right, Exactly. I'm just serious. There's there's stuff out there that... So I, I think that's what I would recommend to technologists. If you really, if you want to do this, then do it well and to do it well you need education right um yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, and it's nice that you work for a facility. You know, some people that are supportive of that. Right. There, there are sites that are, and there are sites that are not, and it's right. you know budget dependent. Well, you know, and that's kind. Of, but see, here's the thing. Uh, there was a safety incident that came up, and I think I posted something on LinkedIn. It's uh, my my thought process is this: <laughs> ignorance is expensive. Education is cheap. Oh, right. Because ignorance is going to cost you. Ignorance is going to cost you. That's, that's and ignorance great. doesn't mean stupid. No, no, ignorance doesn't doesn't mean stupid. If you look at the term ignorance, it means uneducated, right? right. So if Back I don't right? understand it, we say all the time when we do our uh, you know safety courses, um, you can't mitigate the risk, right? Unless you understand the risk. Wow. So I, you know, again, all this scanning fast is great stuff. And it does help with regard to, uh, you know, patient compliance and good quality scans and that sort of thing. Right. But, but the, the fact is you've got to understand that MR is still inherently can be very dangerous Man. if you don't know what you're doing. I'll give you an doing. example. Just for, this isn't kind of related, but it's just as far as like MRI safety and unexpected things. So about, what, two weeks ago or so, we had a patient who had acu- acupuncture needles. Yeah. Yep. That are designed to be left in you. Yeah. Well, so that's now, you got you to kind of question that sanity right for migraines migraines yeah i think put in the back of the ear yeah well yeah there's there's actually some stuff you can get like little piercings that go in a particular part of your ear that supposedly help with migraines most body piercings actually are non-ferrous and that's why if you need Mm -hmm. uh fmd stuff like that that's what's really important about that but most body piercings are non-ferrous well it's nice to have a good fmd um I was going to say detector, but that's redundant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I repeat myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you're right. The, uh, especially the safety aspect of MR is definitely evolving just as fast as the technology. Because there's always, you know, there's this, you know, stuff that they're working on 
you know, implants that are just, it's just going to make our job so much harder, but you really have to stay on top of that type of stuff. You really do. And, and there's, like I said, there's, there's a lot of good education sites like you guys podcast. We do some podcasts. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that's out there right. and that's what technologists, that, that's my advice to tech i mean that's literally we Educate just we yourself. we look stuff up we we you know right what, following uh, people on linkedin uh, actually actually aunt many aunt many.com oh, for for if techs haven't looked at that it's free right. but aunt a-u-n-t m-i-n-n-i-e aunt many.com it's a layperson site but it's it's still and people people will like you know say poo-poo it on it real stuff. quick just so we can yeah. see it yeah i, I, I mean like people people will poo-poo on it but everybody reads it right. it's kind of like one of those yeah, yeah but you still but look you still at look it. at it yeah, yeah. Right, I think that's very well, it's, well done. Uh, uh, yeah, just one word, antmini.com. Yeah, two n's, i e m i e. Yeah, it's actually an old. Uh, I was told yeah, it's, an, it's it a um, it's a radiologist. It's an old radiology term. Oh, really? Uh, well, it's everybody's. What I'm told, it's like um, so something you see on an X-ray that everybody should know. Everybody's got an ant mini. It's uh. like you know immediately recognizable oh, that's so that's where funny. the term comes from i like that uh, right. like so that's that. uh so yeah you can see they've got they got all kinds of news um they have uh some education programs are there as well right but quite honestly you can go through here and then i want to show you an, another one if you don't mind just type it into the top up there PubMed. p-u-b-m-e-d PubMed. oh they got com. a great ipa right no, no, wrong pub. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. PubMed. Just type in PubMed. PubMed. Maybe it's .gov. Try. There it is. Okay. Hey. It's .gov. Oh. Okay. Okay. So this is, it's PubMed.gov. It used to be .com. This catalogs every scientific, all scientific journals. So it doesn't matter. It's not just radiology. So if you, for example, type in, uh, let's let's make something up. Let's go um, uh, abbreviated breast MRI. So oh, just like type that. in. So type that in right there. Abbreviated breast MRI. We're actually going to have Kristen come on and do an episode on breast. So well, she's, she's good. At it. So, okay. So so here's so pick <laughs> pick number two right there for example. <laughs> That's Christiana Cools. Okay, so what this shows you is the abstract. This is the oh. article. So it's oh. the abstract, which, again, you you may have to pay for the journal. Some of this article is free. In fact, that one is. If you click on the one that says PMC, full text, then that actually takes you to the article. So some of it's free, but uh, so you can actually download the article. So oh. my, my point is right. you don't have to have subscription all these journals right. you can at least see the abstract 98% of the time right. and and you know I just found out too that a lot of the vendors are still doing like little magazines yeah Siemens does one yeah. uh, and GE, GE does one right um <laughs> Phyllis probably too, right? does. I don't know, but I know I, 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 you know, you can and you can find those online, right? You know, uh, so that's another good re, yeah. good resource for techs. But I, but I do think techs need to take it upon themselves to 
Man. to stay current. And, it, and you sure. can stay current. There's plenty of the stuff out there. Right. You you can stay current if you want to. If you don't want to, then don't complain. Right. Get up off that TikTok. <laughs> That's right. Get off some pub <laughs> med. You know what I'm saying? Talk, don't complain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. TikTok, just every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, fun stuff. I don't know. Like I said, it's been 30 years. Um, and I say 30 years because that's kind of like the magic number for people who have been. Well, that's, well my years. daughter is, uh, she was born in 1986. Nice. So, yeah. So when I look at my daughter's age, that's how long I've been in MRI, which makes me feel makes really it easy, old. Right? Makes, well, it just makes me feel <laughs> makes old. Makes the math <laughs> It just makes me feel old. Now, do you have a tuning magnet dance or something? Like no, I don't dance. You do that too? I don't dance. Come on, I'm not playing guitar. I'm, I'm okay with rhythm from here up. <laughs> Drink a little more of these and yeah. you dance. <laughs> I, have no, I, I have no rhythm from the waist down. It's, it's pretty ugly. It's, it's, it's pretty ugly. Well, I don't know. Bill, it's been an honor having you here. Yes. Oh, no. You guys are you guys are great. I want to thank you guys. Thank Aegis for oh, yeah. uh, Big shout sponsoring out this. I uh, really do appreciate it. I love coming out here and doing these with you guys so i know you got your own website You've, you mentioned you have your own podcast yeah the the website's t2 star t2 star you have to spell it out and if you don't understand t2 star we do have basic mri courses <laughs> but anyway so t2 star.com had that since the 80s The information and comments provided in the Zone 3 podcast and website are not intended to be technical or medical recommendations or advice for individuals or patients. The information and comments provided under the auspices of Zone 3 podcasts and their guests are of a general nature and should not be considered specific to any individual or patient. Whether or not a specific patient is referenced by the physician, technologist, individual, group, or other entity seeking information. Zone 3 Podcast may provide links or references to websites. Such links are provided as a convenience to our listeners seeking more information on topics. These websites are not affiliated with Zone 3 Podcast, nor do they endorse or manage content discussions unless otherwise stated during recording.